WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. North Carolina has seen a slight increase in new COVID cases. Health officials aren't just watching cases, they're also watching COVID levels in our wastewater. Right now, the state pulls wastewater from 24 different sites, but they're looking at, at 12 more to give them a better idea, a better view of the entire state. It helps them keep tabs on what's going on in the community, and state officials say it costs effective as well and not as invasive as testing. And here's the latest data. It shows 12.2 million particles detected statewide. That's more than double than it was two weeks ago, but still much less than the 106 million particles detected near the peak of the Omicron surge back in January. Joining us today, Mecklenburg County Health Director, Dr. Raynard Washington. Doc, thanks for coming back on. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, we, we know when it comes to COVID, uh, cases rising slightly across the state. Uh, what are we seeing here at, at the local level? Sure. So right now we're seeing a very similar situation here in Mecklenburg County and in this region uh, where our case counts and uh, our wastewater surveillance are all showing signs of increase. Uh, we are seeing uh, some slow impact in the hospital setting, a slight uptick in emergency department visits as well uh, as a slight uptick in inpatient admissions. And so certainly we do uh, see that we're, we're experiencing sort of a, a spring bump here uh, and uh, COVID activity is increasing in our community. Um, we didn't see much of a surge after spring break. Should that encourage folks um, who are wanting to get out and, and travel? Well, you know, I think what we're seeing now is probably a result of the Easter holiday as well as the spring break season. And so uh, certainly I think uh, we encourage folks to continue to use precautions uh, as they're out and about in public settings, uh, particularly as they're traveling uh, to other uh, cities and states and other countries, uh, just to continue to use those precautions precautions that we all know work well. Uh, of course, uh, if you want to stay up to date on your vaccines, uh, as well as uh, use masks uh, when you're in high risk settings. I uh, traveled uh, over this past weekend uh, and was at the airport and saw very, very few masks. Um, do, do you do you feel like the uh, mask mandate uh, was lifted a little early? I believe so. I think, you know, uh, you know, I was at the airport this weekend as well. Unfortunately, I had to go to a funeral uh, in Pittsburgh, and I also wore a mask the entire time and also well, saw very few masks around me. But certainly, I do believe uh, the airport continues to be a very busy public setting. Uh, as you probably saw, Charlotte's airport in particular uh, is really busy. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of uh, lots of foot traffic. And of course, uh, the, there's a lot of congregating, particularly around the gate areas. And so I do think it's important for people to continue to recognize that COVID is still with us. Uh, it's still here and it's important for those in our community who are particularly at greater risk for infection uh, to take those additional precautions, including wearing a mask when they're in settings like that. Um, I saw Deborah Burks, uh, she's doing a media tour right now, and I saw she mentioned that um, uh, we should expect a, a summer surge of some type. Um, do you expect that as well? Well, I'm not sure yet. You know, so right now, 100% uh, of our uh, sequence specimens continue to be the Omicron variant and its lineage. Uh, so certainly as additional sub-variants of that particular variant are emerging, uh, it's kind of unclear at this point what the consequence of that will be. Uh, fortunately, we have not, uh, we're, we're not hearing just yet of any new variants of concern, which would certainly give me more caution as it relates to considering that we may have a bump in the summer. Uh, I certainly expect though that uh, in the fall, uh, we would expect that we would, uh, similar to we have the last several years, uh, we would start to see an uptick in cases uh, similar to what we're seeing right now. Uh, you recommend folks getting uh, boosted. 
are we going to just have to keep on getting boosted? Because I mean, I know we say that the boosters sort of uh, lose their effectiveness after several months. Um, is this just the new normal? You know, it's a, it's, it's a great question, and unfortunately, I don't have an excellent answer for it. You know, the reality is, I think uh, our partners in science are working very hard to ensure that our vaccines are optimized to the types of variants that are circulating currently in the community. Uh, they are continuing to study sort of the impact. There are several vaccines that we have to get several uh, doses of. Uh, obviously, the flu vaccine is the most common that people know we get on an annual basis, but there are other vaccines where we have to get, you know, at least four or five doses before uh, completion of the series and so I don't know exactly what's to come in the future. Uh, I don't know what the schedule will look like but certainly as we are learning more uh, and studies are continuing to push forward uh, we will continue to keep folks informed as much as possible. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware the FDA and CDC have authorized a fourth dose for adults who are over the age of 50 years old uh, and so I certainly encourage individuals who are more vulnerable in any way and over the age of 50 to consider getting that dose. And if you have questions, you should certainly reach out to your healthcare provider. Uh, and certainly our team is able to answer some of those high level questions uh, here at the department. Recently, Anthony Fauci sort of indicated that he thought that that we are now entering a new phase um, of this more endemic. Uh, do you agree with that? Well, I believe that, you know, the, the points he made that I, that I certainly agree with is that certainly we have not contained COVID and it's with us. Uh, and so I think the reality is that we have to adjust, adapt and learn to live with it uh, as it stands today. And so that reality does suggest that we are going to transition to more of an endemic phase of the pandemic. Uh, and certainly, you know, uh, but but that is that's still to be determined, I believe. You know, the reality is I don't know what types of variants are going to emerge. Uh, I don't know what the impact of those variants will be. And so certainly I think we've got to remain cautious. Uh, we certainly shouldn't let our guards down. And I think people have uh, so many tools available to them to really help us make sure that as, as the, the virus circulates and mutates and changes, uh, that we continue to do everything we can to protect life, protect our healthcare systems, uh, and also at the same time, be able to continue to live life. And I think those things, that balance there is really important, but we certainly need people to use the tools that we have available, including you know tests and masks and uh, vaccinations uh, to make sure that we can continue forward, uh, getting back to sort of everyday life. I mean, I, I assume you probably can't, you know, quantify this in numbers, but understanding how, how rapidly the, some of these subvariants of Omicron are spreading, um, how much virus do you think we have out there in the Charlotte area that, that we don't even know about because people aren't getting tested and they, and they might not have any symptoms at this point because they've been boosted? And, and uh, how much virus do you think we have out there? Well, you know, I, that's one of the fascinating things I appreciate about the wastewater surveillance system is that it does give us some some relative context uh, to how much virus may be circulating. And we are seeing levels that, um, in terms of the level of viral particles in the wastewater, uh, that are high, uh, but they're not as high as they were when Omicron first began. And so certainly we're not seeing the type of, uh, we're also not seeing the type of acceleration in terms of our, our actual case counts or emergency department visits or the type of growth in hospitalizations that we saw with the initial version of Omicron. And so certainly that gives me a little bit of encouragement that our immunity wall is, is sort of holding up a little bit, uh, at least for the time being. Uh, so certainly, you know, we are seeing elevated levels, but those levels are, are higher than what they were two or three weeks ago, uh, but they're not as high as they have been in the in previous years and actually nowhere near as high as they've been in previous months. So, uh, you know, certainly I know there's virus virus circulating uh, and certainly those who, who were not impacted by Omicron the first time uh, certainly are at risk. Individuals who are not vaccinated, those who are 
are more vulnerable should really consider taking precautions at this time uh, and making sure, you know, one of the most important things people can do uh, is don't mistake uh, your allergy symptoms or, you know, it's allergy season, there's pollen everywhere. Uh, if, if you feel like you're having some symptoms that are respiratory-like, go ahead and take a test just to be on the safe side uh, and make sure you're taking those precautions because that will help us again, uh, you know, con contain the spread as much as possible in the community. All right, County Health Director, Dr. Raynard Washington. Doc, thanks for coming on. We appreciate sure. it. Good to be here. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Today we are wrapping up our conversations that we've been having over the last few weeks with Charlotte City Council at large candidates. And joining us today, a familiar face to a lot of folks, former Charlotte City Councilman who's running again, James Smudgy Mitchell. James Smudgy, Mr. Mitchell. Good morning. Come on. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Oh, no, my pleasure, man. Uh, my, my pleasure. You know, it's kind of exciting time now. Here we are. Uh, what's the day? May 5th, and we're about uh, 12, days, uh, 12 days away. So uh, this, this is crunch time. So thank you for this opportunity to get in front of your viewers. Absolutely. As I, I've been asking everybody, what would be uh, your number one priority if you get voted back into council? Wow, boy, you start off with a tough one because I probably got three of them to go through my mind. But I think for me, the number one probably would be who uh, see i'm torn between affordable housing public safety and economic development but i do think if we can concentrate on economic development from a standpoint of creating jobs better paying jobs uh, training our our uh, citizens to get better paying jobs then it could uh, uh solve the kind of affordable housing issue so i say my number one will be creating better paying jobs for our citizens in our city all right, you you are I said a familiar face, and you you really are in that you've been around uh, quite some time um, there at the government center. And then last year, I want to catch people up. Last year, you you stepped down because there was a conflict of interest. You were president of a construction company that did a lot of work with the city. Yes. You, you're no longer president, but I believe, and correct me if you're wrong, but you I think you still own 25% of the company. State law says you can only own 10%. Um, yes. Clear up the confusion. What are you going to do, or what have you done to make this okay? Well, thank you for that question. I, you know, I'm so committed. I'm fortunate enough to get back on Charlotte City Council, and then to get under the state law, I would sell shares of my uh, RJ Leaper stock so I can get below that 10 percent. I think it's a great opportunity for me to be able to have wealth, create wealth. Uh, for me and my family, and I love R.J. Leaper Company. You know, uh, my mentor, Ron Leaper, founded that company over 30 years ago. So I'll make sure I will comply with the state law and, and sell shares of my stock, 25%, so I can get below the 10% threshold that is required from the state of North Carolina. And some people are, some skeptical people would be like, why not just go ahead and do it now while you're running, just to clear the air, make sure everybody knows it's okay. Well, people got to trust me. You look over my years, uh, I've always been a man of my word. And so I just think at the right time, if I'm fortunate enough to get back on city council, I think then I would do the right thing according to the state law and go ahead and sell enough to get below 10%. Um, one other thing, I, I know according to Axios, the most recent campaign finance report, um, you, you didn't have yours uh, reported in there. I know you evidently said it was an oversight um, mm -hmm. and said you'd have it in by, by this past Monday. The second, ha have you reported your your, your uh, campaign finance reports? Yes, yes I have. Yeah, I, all the members have been made. Yes, I have. Um, go back to, you mentioned uh, uh, economic development, how it's a priority. Uh, it, it strikes me that, that the other big sort of issue that this next council is gonna have to face is transit, because it doesn't look like this council is gonna get something done. 
Um, yes. So, so how, practically speaking, do we get this behemoth of a, of a transit plan actually into happening? Well, and, and see, that's interesting because, I, you know, over the years, I've been fortunate enough to kind of see how citizens respond to key issues in our community. And transit is that issue that, that, that does not get enough attention. So when you talk about affordable housing, you talk about public safety, and it gets all the citizens engaged. When you talk to transit, it's one of those issues people say, hmm, it doesn't really impact me, but it does. So it's the 14th largest city in America, and we average about 110 new people, I think, a day. And so how do we move this urban city? And I do, transit has to play a bigger role in our discussion. And so for me, if I'm fortunate enough to come back, the first dialogue I will have with citizens, look at our current plans, and let's get some consensus. Where should the next transit corridor be? And then how do how do we complete our whole transit system? Do do we do it with bus, reducing the ridership? Do we do it with streetcar, or do we take a big investment in doing with light rail? And so what I'm hearing now, there's a conversation about uh, light rail to Ballantyne, a light rail to the airport. Uh, we tried at one time. I remember I was on council in the early early 2000s, talking about light rail to Huntersville. But I think it has to be more on our citizens' mind as a priority for us to have more conversation about it. And then here's the key. Regardless what strategy we come up with, we must get the General Assembly on board if we're going to have a transit sales tax because they have to give us the authority. And right now it it's at least seems like that's, that's not happening at, at this point in the game. Yeah, it, there's a famous saying, DOA, and I think if we have that conversation right now, it'd be dead on arrival. But why is that? I mean, you know, assuming there's still going to be a few of the same council members there this next session, like, w why is the relationship, I mean, I think the mayor said she's tried to sort of mend the relationship. Why is it so bad right now? You know, somebody talk about my experience there. I think we, we, the city, including the mayor, did an excellent job of reaching out, trying to extend the olive branch, and talk about issues that we both, our Mecklenburg delegation and the city of Charlotte Council can work on together. And so I think our problem is not our delegation, not the city council, but when you get to the General Assembly, you have other small um, legislators from all the small towns, and trans is not a priority for them. And so it's hard for our Mecklenburg delegation to kind of get it on the General Assembly and say, hey, can we give our cities like Raleigh, Durham, Charlotte, who are growing, who need transit funding, can we at least get it on the agenda? And that's where I think the bottleneck comes. It's just when it gets to Raleigh and our Mecklenburg delegation is just running into a brick wall. All right, the final two questions, uh, and it, they have to be quick ones. Uh, your, your favorite thing about Charlotte and the thing that drives you crazy about Charlotte? The favorite thing I love about Charlotte is the people, the Southern hospitality. The thing that drives me crazy about Charlotte that we have not won, uh, wait a minute, um, I'm very concerned about uh, our public safety. All right, James Smudgy Mitchell. All right. Thank Smudgy, you for thanks this for opportunity. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming okay. on. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. By the way, we did reach out to Patrick Cannon, who's also a city council at large candidate, as you probably know, but we did not hear back. However, WCNC Charlotte interviewed him after he announced he was running. You can find that interview and all the other ones we've done on the WCNC Charlotte YouTube page. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Election results from the past few decades show a warning sign for Democrats as they continue to lose rural voters. NBC's Antonia Hilton shows us how this is playing out in Anson County.
My name is Cynthia. I'm executive director of the New World Project. And we're this is how Cynthia Wallace spends many of her weekends. Oh, right here. Okay. She throws on a new Rural Project tee and a pair of sneakers. Then she knocks on strangers' doors or meets them on the street and listens. Did you get a chance to vote? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so you are a strong voter? Yes, ma'am. Were you able to vote last year? No, I didn't vote last year. Okay. <laughs> well, we got, we, that's what we're here talking about. Oh, okay. It may sound like a simple act, but for black residents in rural Anson County, North Carolina, this kind of visit from a civic group is rare. You got a little pocket in there? I'm just piling you up. <laughs> in recent years, voter participation has been slipping. Jobs have gone. Many residents feel like nobody cares about what they have to say. What do you worry about every day? Um, violence, poverty, just things that can be improved. National Democrats have raised alarms about support slipping in rural America over the last two decades, where Donald Trump won roughly two-thirds of the rural vote. Here in Anson, 2,500 voters of color set out the last election, as a state Supreme Court seat was decided by 401 votes out of 5 million cast. To Cynthia, the disconnect isn't rocket science. Few do what her team does in the rural South. Even worse, they sometimes forget black people live there. Do you feel like you've seen the changes that you deserve here? You know, in Anson County, those young men, black men under 40, turned out at 35% in the 2020 general election. And so actually having a chance to have conversation with them and the fact that they really seem to feel, you know, kind of validated to be heard. Even the church, traditionally the beating heart of black politics and optimism, is losing some ground. It's time to rally the troops. COVID has uh, spread us every which way. We, we can't always keep up with whether people coming or going. You gotta take- Pastor Albin Bernie saw the pandemic frighten and diminish his congregation. Your Young faces often aren't out in the pews. Here in Anson County, I think survival is on everyone's mind. Are people losing faith? I think people are losing faith. It's, I think that's just the reality of the situation. When you feel like something was taken from you, it's real easy to lose faith in a process that was established. We spent a day at a popular black-owned convenience shop in Morvin, a town in Anson that is almost 100% black, hanging out with entrepreneurs, nurses, and veterans. Brian don't believe in the government too much. How are you? What's made you feel like voting isn't worth it? For you to sit there and you see your elders say something to the, you know, the, the town hall or something like that and nothing's being done about it, after a while you just, it just becomes a non-factor in your life. You just feel like, I'ma just do what I gotta do, survive on a day-to-day, -day, make a way for my family and everything like that. Politics don't really matter. Has Biden and generally the Democratic Party, have they fulfilled promises that they've made over the last couple of years? To me, in a small town like this, it, 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 it really doesn't matter who you have in office. The effect that we experience is the same. It don't matter if it's Biden, it don't matter if it's Trump, it don't matter if it's Obama or Clinton or Bush, it really doesn't matter. What we feel down here is exactly the same. You know, they can never even tell us who the president is and we really still gonna be exactly the same, you know what I mean? 
Cynthia Wallace and Pastor Albin Burney aren't going to wait for any national politicians to come to rural North Carolina. Whether on the pavement or at the pulpit, every weekend they'll listen. Good to see you. Do people still believe things can change here? I think they want to believe that. I think it's up to me. I think it's up to other advocates uh, to inspire that change. Interesting insight there. That was Antonia Hilton reporting. NBC News and Meet the Press will continue to cover Anson County as well as six other bellwether counties ahead of the midterm. Antonia and four other reporters are following these counties in depth. More flashpoint after this. All right, folks, come interact with us on our social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. We're there. Let us know what we're chatting about. Of course, we have the big election coming up a little more than a week. Hopefully you've already voted in the early voting. Make it very easy on yourself. We'll see you back here next week. Have a great week, everybody.